In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. The power of love is a curious thing. Makes one man weep, another man sing. Change a hawk to a little white dove. It's more than a feeling. It's the power of love. So said Huey Lewis and the news, as I'm sure you all remember. And while I'm not sure that Huey Lewis is your go-to guy for love advice, it is without doubt uh, the song that has been rolling around in my head uh, as I have been considering uh, St. Paul's famous passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, The Power of Love. Now, you've heard of this passage many, many times. It's called, often called the, the love chapter. Uh, it is uh, chosen to be read in many weddings, undoubtedly, because it is beautiful. It is poetic. It exalts love. Um, though if you look at what St. Paul is saying on either side of chapter, 14, uh, chapter 13, you'll, you'll find that he is, he's not talking about marital love specifically but about love among Christians. How uh, Christians in the church conduct themselves with one another. And that's why he lists these uh, church-related activities. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, if I prophesy and have wisdom and understanding, if I have faith and give generously, but I have not love, I am nothing. It's interesting, isn't it, that, uh, that he doesn't say the tongues aren't worth anything, or the prophecy, uh, or the generosity, but actually that if I have not love, I am worth nothing. It sounds sweet when we hear it in a wedding, but if you sit on this and you let it actually mean what it says, it's incredibly provocative. My value, uh, my worth as a person comes not from what I can do or how well I do it, uh, but how I do it with love. That makes me squirm a little bit. And then Paul gets to the character, the quality of love. And that's really where we want to spend our time uh, this morning, because that is the part uh, that makes the eyes of those young couples at the altar uh, sort of just uh, starry with expectation. So vaulted, so eloquent is this description of love that it actually reflects the character and the nature of God Himself. And surely, it is what they have to look forward to all the days of their lives till death do they part. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful. It is not arrogant or rude. Love does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. Boy, that's good news, isn't it? You just tell those sweet couples at the altar, go love like that. Or as I've heard it preached before, just put your own name right in there. Joe is patient and kind. Joe is not jealous or boastful. Joe is not arrogant 
or rude. Joe does not insist on his own way. Joe is not irritable or resentful. Joe is lying through his teeth. After 14 years of marriage, Andy will tell you, you lost me on patient. Now, I'm not saying that love is not patient or kind. That love is somehow actually jealous or boastful. So on down the list. Of course, love is everything that St. Paul said it is. If St. Paul said it, you can take it to the bank. What I'm saying is that despite the very deep and real feelings that I have uh, for Amy, or that she has for me, or that you have for your spouse, or your kids, or your parents, or your friends, or whoever uh, it is, that the love that we exhibit is tarnished brass compared to this gold standard that Paul lays out for us in 1 Corinthians 13. Doesn't mean you can't have a good marriage. Or healthy relationships. Uh, But this is an issue with what we often call uh, the human condition. Love is patient and kind. But we are not. Love is not jealous or boastful. But we are. We can't help ourselves. Uh, We don't wake up and uh, decide not to be patient today. Impatience just comes naturally. We justify ourselves. We say, well, I would be patient with him if he wasn't always dragging his feet. Or I I could be kinder to her if if she was smarter about how she does things. Now listen, I have been trying all week to get around this. But in the final analysis, self-justification doesn't fix the problem. Love is patient and kind. But I am not. Or you can look at the end of verse 5. Love is not resentful. That is a concise, accurate translation. But the, in this case, the NIV, the New International Version, actually um, translates the, the original Greek a little bit, a little bit more word for word. It says, it says, love keeps no record of wrongs. In other words, uh, love doesn't say, uh, well, you always this. Or you never that. Or, oh, that's just like the time you fill in the blank. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Love doesn't sit here in the pew and think, my spouse always does that. Love isn't resentful. Love doesn't keep score. But we do. It's one of the reasons that marriage is in such a state of disarray right now. It's one of the reasons the church is in such a state of disarray right now. Because marriage and the church are both full of sinners. And what the skeptics will say is that if anyone should be good at loving others, it should be Christians. And they've, got some, they've got this idea that Christians are Christians because they have committed themselves uh, to being good. Maybe they've gone to a wedding and heard this passage read. Uh, but they, uh, they see in the course of life that Christians, Christians are people too. And, and they break their promises and they get angry. And they're not always patient and kind. And sometimes they're jealous or boastful or irritable or resentful just like everybody else. And they say, see, Christians are just a bunch of hypocrites. They might be right. But what the skeptic has missed is that Christians actually are Christians. 
because they realize that they cannot love like this. That they can't live up to this gold standard. We Christians have looked into the mirror honestly. We've seen our own impatience. We've seen how we're eaten up with jealousy. Seen how we insist on our own way. We've seen how we are arrogant and rude. How hard we work to cover those things up. And somewhere in there we've realized that our own character and our own nature is far removed from the character and the nature of God. What the skeptic misses is that what makes us Christians is that we have thrown ourselves in all our unholiness at the mercy of our holy God. And what we have found is that God is patient and kind. That God does not envy or boast. That God is not arrogant or rude. Not to say He's just a gentleman or or that He's just nicer than all the rest of us. What we've actually found is that God did keep a record of wrongs. A very long, long list with each of our names on it of all of our wrongdoings. Except that He scratched off my name from the top of the list. And He scratched off your name from the top of your list. And He wrote the name of Jesus on each of our lists. And He took them to the cross. And there He paid the price for each one of us with His life. And why did He do that? Well, because as the Apostle John wrote in his first letter, God is love. God is love. The scholar D.A. Carson wrote about about this claim of John that God is love. And he, he wrote, the claim cannot be reversed. To say that love is God would depersonalize God. For it would elevate love as an impersonal affection or sacrifice to divine status. But the reality is far more stunning. He is a person. God is not only sovereign, but He is a person in whom love is so much constitutive of His being that He can no more abandon love than turn away holiness. And so before we send these starry-eyed couples on their way, only to realize uh, their fairy tale expectations of love were unrealistic. Let's let the eloquence and the beauty of this vaulted hymn of love drive us to the cross of Christ, where we see the very height of that stirring gospel truth so beautifully sung. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Friends, God knows of your impatience and your unkindness. He knows of your jealousy and your pride. He knows the ways in which you have been arrogant or rude. He knows of your inflexible selfishness, your irritability and scorekeeping. And He knows the ways you have been damaged by all of that and other people. And yet, God loves you. Which is to say that God is Himself to you. You might even say that God gods you. 
God loves you with, with love so high and so true. God loves so patient and kind, not irritable or resentful. A love that bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. A love that never ends. A love that culminates in the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it is in returning over and over and over again to the good news of God's gracious love for us sinners that we might just maybe begin to love as Christ loves us. To love with real, true, godly patience and kindness without jealousy or arrogance or rudeness, or insisting on our own way. Because that, friends, that is the real power of love. Amen.